welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, the ultimate education show on the forefront of the burgeoning edtech revolution. Join us each week as we interview the most cutting-edge edtech companies, content creators, and curriculum developers across the planet. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzefa, as always. And today we are continuing the trend of awesome online educators and awesome content creators. But today is something a little bit different than the guests that I've had on before and in a really, really amazing way. Today I have someone who, yes, makes content for kids, but is also a comedian and a very successful comedian at that. So today we have on a gentleman named Jay Foreman, who is an English comedy singer songwriter. He has performed four critically acclaimed sold out shows at Edinburgh Festival Fringe, which include disgusting songs for revolting children uh, and other funny stories. So he's, and not only is he an amazing comedian, he makes these really cool educational songs, some with incredible illustrations. One in particular that caught my eye was a song about dinosaurs. I've seen him uh, on YouTube, of course, do some hilarious live performances. He's a really good singer too. So without further ado, Jay, welcome to the show. Hello, Huzaifa. How are you? I'm great. Uh, it's a little early here, but I am very good. And thank you so much for, for agreeing to come on. So before we get into the background of your educational songs and the songs that you make for kids, tell us about your background and how you got into comedy. Well, I started getting into comedy when I was at university. So I, uh, and this is a long time ago, by the way, when I was a younger man, uh, I was at the University of York. And York Uni is full of um, college bars, uh, which is a great place to do open mic night. And that's when I took my guitar along and I sang funny songs in as many of those open mic nights as possible. And whilst everybody else was doing um, indie covers and songs they'd written about their ex-girlfriends, I wanted to do something different. So I sang comedy songs. And I never saw what I was doing at the time as stand-up comedy, but very slowly my act evolved from uh, folk songs with slightly funny lyrics to stand-up comedy. And I actually started working on putting jokes between the songs and actually literally standing up with my guitar, which was different from the beginning gigs. But that's how my um, comedy music career started at university. I love that type of comedy. I know there's a comedian in Los Angeles named Dimitri Martin. He, he's done some of that in, in his acts. I just think that it's just so funny. And the way you do it is unbelievable. It's hilarious. Uh, you, all, uh, you, yeah. did, you What are your videos? Uh, you, you're playing... You're, you're, I don't know, you can make the sound of a trumpet when, when you're singing. Tell us about that a little bit or other effects well, that, that you can do. That runs in the family slightly. So my brother, you might know, is a beardy man who is a world-renowned beatboxer. So um, he is an absolute expert, like quite literally one of the world's best at making noises that you wouldn't expect a human being to be able to make with his mouth. Uh, and then my own small version of that, in one of my songs, I do a trumpet sound. But if you want to hear the human voice make really strange noises, it's my brother who trades under the name Beardy Man that you want to check out. All right, very cool. I actually, I'm going to check that out. I haven't, I haven't seen this stuff yet, but I love, I love that type of that art form. So tell us about. So when you you were making songs to be to be funny and you were performing them, when did you get the idea that you wanted to make songs that could be educational? Well, funnily enough, it's, there are very few songs that I've done that are educational. My career is split into two parallel different things that I do. One of them is 
the comedy songs that we've been talking about. And then separately on the side, I also make educational YouTube videos. Now, the YouTube videos, they all started back in 2009 when YouTube was a very new thing. And uh, my friend Paul and I made a video we called Unfinished London, which was a documentary about, uh, and bear with me because this sounds quite boring, uh, a documentary about unfinished transport infrastructure in London. And uh, it, it might sound quite geeky and niche, but we made it to be a comedy video as well as a documentary. And it seemed to work. So lots of people watched it. Lots of people shared it with their friends. And they asked us to make more. So we carried on making more. And now Unfinished London has become a YouTube series. And we've got um, six episodes under our belt so far. And the YouTube channel that we uploaded it on way back in 2009 has now got more than 270,000 subscribers. And the strange thing is, nowadays, my career has split entirely into two. The funny songs, which nowadays is mostly for children because I'm touring a, uh, a children's show around the UK. And then entirely separately from that is my YouTube videos, which happen to be friendly for children, are becoming increasingly popular with children. But thus far, never the twain have met. Tell, tell us a little bit about – so I saw one of your other videos on your channel. Maybe this is part of the Unfinished London series, or which was hilarious, by the way. Were you talking about cyclists and the, the breed of cyclists? Is that part of that same series or is that a separate entity? No, that's part of the same series. So that is uh, episode five of Unfinished London. The funny thing about that name, the first three episodes of Unfinished London are all about um, quite literally infrastructure such as motorways or railway lines or airports that they started building but didn't finish. Uh, now, shortly, we ran out of unfinished infrastructure to talk about, but we wanted to continue making documentaries very much in that style. So they were still about London. They were still about transport. But the word unfinished that's now become a brand, really, rather than actually being about unfinished things. But we can use it as a way to tell the story. So, for example, the episode that you're thinking of about uh, we, we called it Why Isn't Cycling Normal in London? Because nowadays right. you've got to give everything a, a clickbait sort of a name. So we called it Why Isn't Cycling Normal in London? And we made it episode five of Unfinished London, despite the fact that there isn't really anything unfinished in that series at all anymore. Right, right. What do you think it is about now you're doing a tour in uh, in the UK where you said you're playing ch children's songs and I've interviewed a lot of people that for lack of a better word they're trying to make education fun in their own way. I've had video game designers do it with cool graphics. I've had other people like myself and like you who do it musically, but integrating in that comedy you're probably the first person that i've interviewed that does it i mean that's actually a prof that's a, a professional comedian that's done all these shows what do you think it is about comedy that helps make connections with kids i think comedy is essential when you're trying to get a point across because if you make someone laugh it's a really good way of showing that you're trustworthy and that you're not taking yourself too seriously and i think some people believe that if a video is comedy then it's not to be taken seriously at all and it can't necessarily be educational. But I think it's absolutely possible to combine the two. So, for example, if I wanted to make a series either about politics, which I have done, or about um, unfinished transport infrastructure or about funny maps, if I was to make them in an earnest and very serious style where you have to, you know, you can't possibly put anything funny in there, no one would bother sharing it with their friends. No one would bother trying to watch till the end to see what happens next. And they're not going to remember it either. By making people laugh, you've got a really good way, first of all, of making sure that people who aren't necessarily interested in the subject in the first place get brought in. And second of all, it makes them concentrate more. It makes them remember it better. And I think especially if you're trying to educate children, making it funny, it doesn't make it any less true or less worthy. 
it makes it more memorable. That's what I think. No, I 100% agree. I think, at least for me, uh, in, in my math music videos, I would love to employ more comedy. The thing is, I think it's hard for a lot of people, myself included, to make things really, really funny. Now, you're a comedian. That's what you do, and you're really good at it, which is why that's, that's a coveted skill that you can actually you, – I mean, you, can, you make things – from what I saw, you make things like genuinely hilarious, which I don't think, you know what I mean? But I think that's, I think that's a lot tougher and you tell me what you think, but I think that's a lot tougher than trying to make at least good music or trying to, you know, make things engaging in a different way. That funny part is, is hard. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, comedy is one of the few things where if it ceases to be good, it ceases to be the thing it is. So for example, um, if you're standing on stage telling jokes, because you're doing comedy, you're in this unique position where if it's not funny, it's no longer comedy. It, it has to be, it has to work in order for it to have a, a point existing. So in that sense, yes, it's very difficult to do. Uh, what we try and do with our Unfinished London series and also with the similar series we've done, Politics Unboring, Map Men, we go by the same rules, which is, number one, you have to try and write it as if you were creating a comedy rather than as if you were creating a documentary. The pro- priority must be people that were not already interested in the subject before they were drawn into the video. So that's rule number one. Make it genuinely funny as if you're writing a comedy show. And rule number two, um, you actually have to stay reverential to the facts. So despite the fact that all the series we've worked on, Unfinished London, Politics Unboring, Mat Men, despite the fact that they're full of crazy jokes and surreal jokes, um, at no point do we actually twist the facts. We, we always have respect for the actual story that we're telling, but we also like to try and make it as funny as possible. And I think what a lot of people do by mistake, they assume that in order to make a documentary or anything to do with history or education, in order to make it funny, you have to make it incorrect. You have to replace the facts with bullshit. And I don't think that's true. I think it's perfectly possible to stay reverential to the actual story, the actual facts, but still make it as hilarious as possible. And that's the balance that we've been trying to do with all the series we've done. That I don't think I've never heard of anybody do doing something like this or trying to do something like this. And, you know, and, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it does exist. But that, I think this is a such an interesting, brilliant idea. And but it falls right in line with people that I try to interview on the show. Just like I said, not in the comedy realm, but in all sorts of other ways to make content engaging. And that's what the I believe what the ed tech revolution right now that's been happening is all about is trying to trying to make these new connections with people in a unconventional way to just make it better and make that and like you said help people remember things more clearly I think music does a great job with that uh, and uh, the way you're explaining it and the and now I mean you know because I'm kind of thinking about it more and more as we're talking about it comedy yes that's brilliant if you can pull it off which you definitely can so tell us what is what's next on the agenda what are what are you planning to work on over the next six months, year, etc. Well, the thing that's changed for me recently is that I'm now um, able to do able to do YouTube almost as a full time job because I've managed to find ways of using it as an income stream, which means I can hopefully um, put out a lot more videos per year than I have been able to for the last nine years. Uh, so we're working on some more episodes of Unfinished London with uh, probably better. Oh, that's my thing going off. Uh, I probably better not say what they're about because I want to keep it as a surprise. But we're also working on more episodes of Map Men. Um, and hopefully there's going to be no shortage of these funny documentaries. And are you going to be working on any more kids songs as well? 
At the moment, I'm doing a, a tour of the UK of my kids' show, which is called Disgusting Songs for Revolting Children. Now, the strange thing is that so far, like I said before, there's been very little blending of my two parallel careers, one where I make educational stuff on YouTube and the other one where I make children laugh with funny songs. But who knows? Maybe one day I could come up with an educational song yeah. or perhaps even a, a live tour of my um, lectures about infrastructure. Who knows what's next? That would be amazing. And so have you ever come to or have you ever shot in, in the U.S. at all or made any videos or, uh, in Los Angeles? No, I haven't, but I'd love to. Um, my last visit to the U.S. was um, I did a road trip across the States with a friend of mine, starting in New York and ending in Dallas, Texas. And uh, we deliberately didn't plan where we were going to go from one day to the next on that trip. We just drove and drove and saw where we went. And the whole time I was there, I kept thinking to myself, I wish I'd organized some gigs out here. <laughs> so like let's let's zoom back for a second and let's say for teachers or other people that are listening to the show and hopefully they're feeling inspired by what you're talking about and the content you're creating what's your advice to them going forward in what they can do you know maybe not everybody has the the obviously that comedic skill or things like that but what's your advice generally in terms of how to make education a little bit more engaging a little bit funnier a little bit friendlier um, well, the advice that we give ourselves when we're writing scripts for these educational videos is always, always think from the point of view of someone who just doesn't care. And everything, whether you're doing a, a script for a funny video or a lesson plan, um, everything you say, immediately ask yourself, who cares? Why is that interesting? Why should I care about that? And um, something that we do when we write the scripts for Unfinished London we write the history as if it was a plot, as if it was a story with beginning, middle, and end, with goodies and baddies, with buts and therefores. Um, and then that helps the story to come alive, and that helps you to make it more memorable by turning a bunch of seemingly unconnected facts and turning it into, a, I'm going to use the N-word here, a narrative with goodies and baddies, with events that cause consequences. Uh, one of the best pieces of plot writing advice I ever heard was from Trey Parker, the um, half of the South Park team. He says, um, make sure all of your plot points are connected not with and, but with but and therefore. And I think that applies not just for script writing, but for lesson plans as well. You've got to make sure that what you're teaching people feels like a story. And I think that's a good way of making things memorable. Hmm, that's awesome. I'm trying to, as you're talking about that, I'm trying to think about how to do that in math is what my specialty is. And that's what I teach. And that's what mo most of my content is. So I'm trying to think about that. And maybe that might be a little bit trickier, but th there's got to be a way to do that as well. Well, what my physics teacher used to do when they were teaching us about um, the relationship between protons and neutrons, you know, they would personify them and say, so this guy wants to go here, but then this guy is in the way he wants to block him. You know, you're talking about atoms. But if you give them little googly eyes, it comes alive and it makes it easier to remember because that's how the human brain um, is trained to remember things, to give, link, to give things personality, to anthropomorphize. Absolutely. And that probably goes for maths as well. If you're trying to balance an equation, this guy wants to go here. He wants this. Maybe that makes it easier. I mean, I'm not the best one to give advice because I'm really bad at maths. You know, that's, but that's a, great, that's, that's a great suggestion. In fact, I mean, there, I think math teachers do that to a certain degree. I know we always, you know, the one example is we talk about negatives and positives in terms of multiplication and division. Uh, I know I talk about it in terms of it being an infection, uh, right? Like, so you multiply by negative, <laughs> everything gets infected, and the only way to take care of the infection, a new negative comes in and wipes it. You know, something along those yeah, lines. that's perfect. That's a right. really good way of helping. And it's not just for kids. I think you're never too old 
to need that sort of, you know, education coming to life to help you remember it. I remember we used to do maths in school, in primary school, and we used to read these little examples from textbooks. And it will say something like, uh, Jack and Katie are playing a game with counters. Like, really? What kids do that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Jay, now, thank you, by the way, so much for coming on, telling us about everything that you do. If people want to go and check out your content on YouTube or check out your content anywhere, what's the best way to do that? So my YouTube channel is simply my name, Jay Foreman. And uh, I also have a website, which is jforman.co.uk. I'm also on Twitter, at Jay Foreman. Basically, if you Google me, you'll find me, um, unless you find the other Jay Foreman, who I believe is an American footballer. <laughs> and, uh, if you, and on your website, can people also purchase tickets to your show, to your tour? You can. So um, if anyone listening happens to be in the UK for the next few months, I'm touring my show, Disgusting Songs for Revolting Children. And uh, hopefully I'll be in some other countries sometime soon. But in the meantime, come to Britain. You'll be very welcome at my show. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you so much for providing that information. Guys, if you didn't hear that, well, you can always rewind as a podcast and get it. If you don't want to do it that way, though, go to our website and check it out in the write-up at scalarlearning.com. Just go to the podcast section. And make sure to check us out on YouTube as well. We have weekly live streams on SAT math and new math music videos dropping on the regular. Number 16 is coming out very shortly on sequences, arithmetic and geometric sequences. Thank you all so much for joining, and I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar learning. Give me that scalar.